Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. As the New Testament era opened, a dramatic change occurred in the way God moves to accomplish His purpose on the earth. God's move was then inextricably linked to man. That means that God ceased to move apart from and independent of man. Of course, the man that God used for His move was Jesus Christ, who we know was also God. That's why the high priests, the elders, and even the officials of the Roman government could not easily determine whether the activities of Jesus were the activities of a man or of God. Actually, his actions were the actions of the first God-man. Today, God is still operating in this principle, the principle of his moving into man, in man, and through man. This is the principle of incarnation. In the beginning was the Word, John says, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and tabernacled among us. Ron Kangas has joined us as we look at this message. Really, Ron, that is not so much from Job, but I think uh, expressed something that was very much in Witness Lee as he was uh, unfolding these messages from the book of Job, wasn't it? It is, because he was looking at Job through the eyes of Paul and on the basis of the entire New Testament revelation and contrasting that revelation with the understanding of God's activity and God's relationship with man that is found in the book of Job. So what we're going to see in this program is God's move in man and through man, which is really according to the New Testament principle of incarnation, and that is God does not act alone according to this principle. Rather, He acts and moves and works and lives in man and through man by making himself one with man and man one with him. This single idea is most precious. And it's worthwhile to devote our entire time to understand this and apply this and to consider the move of God in man and through man, implying man's move in God, with God, and one with God. I really love this kind of principle related to moving and working with God is largely hidden from Christians today because, frankly speaking, they're in another realm, the realm of ethics, the realm of religion, the realm of effort to obey the precepts of the law. But this message is given from another realm, and that realm is God himself. It's a divine and human realm in which God moves in man and through man, and man moves in God as one move to carry out God's economy, to build up God's corporate expression, which is God's building, the church, the body, 
and ultimately the New Jerusalem. Ron, I uh, quoted a little bit from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I'd like to uh, read another verse uh, from one of the Gospels, uh, really an inaugural verse in many ways to the uh, ushering in of the New Testament uh, and the New Testament economy. In Matthew, chapter 1, verses 21, 22, and 23, it says, And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And it's this last part of the verse that we're underscoring today, isn't it? It is. All right, let's join Witness Lee with uh, that first portion of his fellowship, then we'll come back and get a chance to talk some more about this wonderful uh, principle of incarnation. What is the New Testament? New Testament is a book as a record of God's move. And this record shows us God's move can never be apart from man. Right at the beginning, the New Testament shows us that God moved into man. He became a man. Then he moved as a God-man. He didn't move as God, neither as man. He moved as a God-man. This was the reason all the people who saw couldn't understand. They asked, who is this one? Who is this one? You see, that is mysterious. Very mysterious. It was God, yet man. It was man, yet God. Very interesting. I said, this is the principle of God's move on this earth. Without man, God just cannot move. And his move is in man, through man, and to make man him. In the four Gospels, all the high priests, the elders, the scribes, uh, even the uh, Roman officials, they don't know what Jesus was. They couldn't understand. Was that some divine activities? It seemed so. But still, he was a man. Then this person got enlarged, got expanded. From being one person, he got enlarged to thousands of persons. In Acts, one day, he got enlarged into 3,000. Now, apparently, it was a big group of people, of human beings moving. But that was human beings moving in the divine moving. So from Acts chapter 2, man move in God's move. They two move together. You know, Ron, when you read the four Gospels, there are many passages, and it, it does uh, demonstrate that these uh, both the religious leaders and the secular leaders, the government leaders, uh, when they were trying to examine the Lord Jesus and the things he was doing, it was perplexing. As you said, it was uh, mysterious because they couldn't discern that clearly whether this was really God or whether this was just the activities of a man. Then we get into the book of Acts, and it seems like this perplexity continues, only it's not the Lord directly now. 
it's the members of his body that seem to still be operating in this mysterious realm. Why don't you uh, develop this thought? Well, let's look at the Gospels. Here you have a man, and uh, a nondescript man according to the flesh, and according to Isaiah 53. So his activities, his move, are, it goes without saying, that of a man. Mm -hmm. But almost everyone can sense there's something else here. It's human, but there's something else. And we human beings have categories by which we understand things and interpret things. There's morality, ethics, Mm -hmm. religion, philosophy, culture, tradition. And none of these standards works because there's something that doesn't fit into any of these categories. Here is something unprecedented. God in man. A man is moving. God is moving in the moving of this human being. So it's human and divine. It's divine and human. The Lord made it very clear in the Gospel of John that he would bring the believers where he was, that is, in the Father. Mm. So in and through and by the Lord Jesus as the way, we enter in him into God. And through his death and in his resurrection, he brought us into God. And this God has a move. So in Acts, we have the apostles and the believers moving in God, in God's move. So once again, the observers, especially the religionists, would see something obviously human yet something noteworthy, something inexplicable was involved in this. And the more they tried to contain it, the more it increased and multiplied. One of the religionists, uh, perhaps the eldest among them, was Gamaliel. And he must have had some realization that what the apostles and the believers were doing was not merely human. So he warned the religious leaders not to withstand them, not to oppose them, because if they did that, they might actually be fighting against God. That suggests that dimly he realized God was involved with this activity, with this move. And somehow these apostles and believers, they're linked to God. They're one with God. And they're not like the messianic pretenders that preceded them and got a following and came to naught. They're in another category. And the category is God in man and man in God. God moving in man's move, man moving in God's move. God and man living moving, acting, operating together as one. And even today, those who live, at least to some degree, in this reality are perplexing, are mysterious, because 
It's human, but not merely human. It's divine, but not merely divine. It is divinely human and humanly divine. It's the principle of incarnation. It's God in man, man in God. This is the way God is moving today. If we want to know God's move, if we want to be in God's move, if we want to participate in God's move, we need to see this truth, God moving in man, man moving in God. A lot of verses in the book of Acts, I think, illustrate this point. I like uh, chapter 4, verse 13. And as they beheld the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated men and laymen, they marveled and they recognized them that they had been with Jesus. They didn't quite know how to get their, as you said, their hands around this, but they realized something more here than just some unlearned fishermen in their midst. They marveled and they recognized this is similar to what was with this man, Jesus. Right. Well, it's not only similar, it's identical, because this is Jesus living and moving again in man. Let's go back to Witness Lee. We Christians are such a mystery, because we move in God's move. And God's moves in our move. God and we, when and God, move together. But people of this earth only know that we are men, we are human. They do not know that we are divine, so they couldn't understand. This divine part in our move is altogether the consummated spirit. That is the consummation of the process and consummated triune God. I hope that you could see this. Jew was after something in the realm of ethics. But we Christians today are after something, not in that realm, but in the realm of God. We are all the time after God. What are you doing there? Sometimes, you know, when I was writing there, studying there, investigating there, I laughed. I said, man, what are you doing here? You have sold your whole life, close to 70 years, you didn't do anything. And you are still doing this. <laughs> uh, sometimes my grandchildren came, Grandpa, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm doing something. Hard thing. It's hard to say. <laughs> what are we doing here? No one can tell. But there is something, right? And this something is the triumph God. Consummated as the Spirit indwelling us and moving with us. Not only moving with us, He moves as us. He and we, when He, are one. So don't take any action apart from this all-inclusive spirit. To talk to your wife, to deal with your children, to contact anyone, to face any situation, to meet any need, you must be clear, don't do it apart from the spirit. You have to move 
act and do things all the time in another one's move. When he moves, you move. When you move, he moves. Ron, we just have a short time for this point, but uh, he said something I'd like to come back to. He said, God moves not only with us, but God moves as us. Would you pick up this thought a little bit and develop it? I'll try, and I'd like to just point to the corollary to that, which is we move as God. Okay, God moves as us. Let's put it this way. We are one with the Lord, and he is one with us. And when he moves, he is so fully one with us that he lives in our living, he moves in our moving, he acts in our acting. In every way, he makes himself one with us and makes us one with him. So for him to move as us means that he and we are altogether one, and he just fits himself into our being and our speaking and our moving. So he does not move as himself apart from us, Rather, he moves as himself, as us, by making himself one with us. And as will be developed in later broadcasts, perhaps, the converse is true in that he makes us so one with him that we merge with his moving and we move as those that are altogether merged with him as him. We deny ourselves, we lay ourselves aside. What God is doing, we are doing. There's a deep mutuality here. Man living and moving in God, God living and moving in man. That's what we see in a passage like chapter 16 of Acts, where there's the human move of the apostles, yet it's the Spirit's move in them and their move in the Spirit. Of course, uh, just to be clear, we're not in any way implying that the distinction between God and man is ever lost or uh, confused, but nonetheless, there is this uh, definite merging of humanity and divinity. Uh, I appreciate that point, that God remains God, transcendent, possessing the deity, the Godhead himself. He's the only object of worship. But we're branches in Christ as the vine, and the vine lives in the branches. The branches live in the vine. The vine lives as the branches. The branches live as the vine. They're one, yet distinct, but inseparable. That's something to ponder. Ron, for this last section, let's, uh, you mentioned uh, Acts 16. Let's go ahead and pick that up and talk a bit about this point in the remaining few minutes we have. I've picked up a couple of verses here, and this is a period when uh, Paul is on one of his missionary journeys. I forget which one. Was it his second or third? I'm not sure. But uh, in verse 6 of chapter 16, it says, And they passed through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, They tried to go into Bithynia, yet the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And bypassing Mysia, they came down to Troas. So they're moving here, and they're forbidden on the one hand, and uh, they're not allowed on the other hand by the Spirit, indicating they were really uh, experiencing 
a very genuine oneness with the Lord. I've matched this now with another area of the New Testament when Paul, I believe, is talking about the same trip, the same experience. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, a door was opened to me in the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit, for I did not find Titus my brother. But taking leave of them, I went forth into Macedonia. Connect the dots for us here in these two passages that we've selected. Here we have an illustration of the principle of man moving in God and God moving in man. The apostles tried to go to a certain place, but that wasn't the Spirit's move. So the Spirit said no. They tried to go in another direction. It wasn't the Spirit's move. The Spirit said no. This indicates that they were moving in the move of the Spirit. Then in 2 Corinthians 2.12, we see this, but especially we see the other side, that the Lord is moving in the apostles' move, that Paul had no rest in his spirit. He could not stay there. He didn't find Titus's brother there. He took his leave of them and went forth into Macedonia. That's man's move. That's Paul's move. But God is one with Paul, even as Paul is one with God. Paul moves in God's move in Acts 16. God moves in Paul's move in 2 Corinthians 2.12. A beautiful picture. This is not an abstract doctrine. It was lived out by the apostles. It was lived out by the believers. And in a small way, but yet in an increasing way, it is being lived out by the enlightened seeking believers today, enlightened concerning God's move in man and man's move in God, one move, the move of the God-man. Ron, let me come back to ask you something about this uh, passage, especially in 2 Corinthians 2. We've seen Paul as being directed left and right by the Spirit, obviously, in Acts 16. Then he comes and he says, uh, he came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and a door was opened to me in the Lord. This would indicate something maybe outward, environmentally, a way was cleared for him, yet he didn't take that way because he still had no rest in his spirit, meaning that he was living not even just so much in the realm of what God would do for him. He was living even in a deeper unity and oneness with with the Lord here, wasn't he? That's right. He wasn't going by outward indicators, but by uh, the sense deep in his spirit. And we know from 1 Corinthians 6.17, Paul's spirit and the Lord's spirit We're one spirit. So here he doesn't say, the spirit did not allow me, the spirit did not agree, so I had to follow the spirit somewhere else. He said, I had no rest in my spirit. So he moved, and the spirit moved in Paul's move, just as Paul moved in the spirit's move in Acts 16. I believe, and I'm not flattering, I'm just testifying, I believe that as you are putting these two verses together, You were in the move of the Spirit, and the Spirit was in Chris Wilde's move. (laughs) And so now we can fellowship in this mutual moving, just as we prayed to touch the reality of this, even as we are presenting it to our dear listeners, many of whom are urgently, even desperately, seeking the Lord. There's something here, but it's not something for superficial Christians who just want open doors but something for those who hunger for the reality of what is revealed in the New Testament essentially and intrinsically 
with respect to God's economy to build himself into us, to make himself one with us, to make us one with him, and to build us into him, that together with him we express him corporately to the glory of God the Father. Well, we pointed out at the beginning of the program, this is a life study of Job message, yet I can't recall even talking about one verse in Job, though Witness Lee did make reference to the fact that he was just using Job as a kind of a contrast. We've clearly seen in the messages we've had so far, Job was totally wrapped up in the realm of human ethics and living a kind of a life outwardly that would be pleasing to God. And yet, uh, the clear message of Job, as we see it through the lens of the New Testament, is that God is calling all of his people onto a deeper, more uh, intrinsic way of uh, living the Christian life in oneness with him. It's a good contrast, isn't it? A good contrast, a needed contrast. May the Lord's people see it and be it for the glory of God. A wonderful treatment of this book and perhaps unique in all of uh, the expository writings of the Old Testament books. I would highly recommend this Life Study of Job. You can uh, get it if you contact us at toll-free 1-888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. To discover more of what Living Stream has to offer, please visit ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll be able to read over 600 titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee online and free of charge. Again, the website, ministrybooks.org. Thanks for listening today.